So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tai Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! back again with another episode of the running rugby podcast just myself archie and toby here today leo is still in the depths of depression after that weekend the eden park hoodoo continues toby we get another shot this weekend but did you did you feel like we had some hope after sort of holding the all blacks trialist for 39 minutes in that first half last week Mate, I think just a lot of, it was an interesting first 20 minutes. Things weren't going probably to plan for either team, but I thought we were putting some good pressure on them early in the game. And then it's just that middle period around halftime that we seem to fall apart against the All Blacks and they score their tries. And then, you know, as we did in the French series, we battled back really well to keep the scoreline respectable. But I imagine the All Blacks switched off at the same time. So... Yeah, look, I think overall comfortable win for the All Blacks, but there were some things on our side to like from the Wallabies as well. I've seen a lot in the New Zealand media saying that they weren't, they thought that the All Blacks made a lot of mistakes, like errors in this game, that they thought they would clean up, um, come again, and they thought potentially this was uh, a big chance for the Wallabies to try and get a victory here. Um, Do you think that's true? Do you think there's no chance we get one next week? Yeah, and I think that, I mean, John Cohen, I heard, was, was kind of pushing those comments. I think a lot of the errors the All Blacks made, we kind of forced them into that. It wasn't just that they were dropping ball, you know, willy-nilly. We were actually putting some good hits on. Hunter was dislodging the ball in a few tackles. I think that we really came early on with physicality and a presence in this game. We just didn't probably keep that going consistently. So, yeah, I think we should get some credit for actually causing some of those errors. And yeah, I think we still have a pretty good chance this coming week. I wouldn't write us off at all. I think the mindset's there. It's just whether in key moments, whether we can execute. We know we can finish the game well. We've got to score tries early, like we talked about on the pod last week. We need to get a good start, get ahead and play ahead in this game. Um, some of the selections we'll get to later, I think, probably aren't going to help us. I think the first lineup for game one was slightly better. But yeah, it's it's going to be very it's going to be a huge challenge because the All Blacks will be better, no doubt. But I wouldn't say that we've lost our opportunity by any means. Looking at the stats of this game, and it was really like pretty even for the most part. We slightly pipped the All Blacks in possession and territory, but they're sort of slightly ahead in a lot of other categories. Um, the biggest thing that I can see though is clean breaks, them their ability to break through our line and get into our backfield. I mean, they had 11 in this game to us having three. And you even see it like they obviously had that full field try disallowed with a forward pass, but then immediately sort of come back and Richie picks off an intercept to go um, 70 metres and score. And that really felt to me like the turning point in that game where we just sort of, we just fell off a little bit in that second half where we're just like, oh no, we just, we can't match it when they start doing things like this. 
Yeah, I think that was that was the moment for me that I identified as well, where Hunter threw that pass. It was a little bit too ambitious. And Richie's just so good in, in those sort of moments. But it look, it's really hard. You can't let your guard down whatsoever with the All Blacks. If they get any sort of ascendancy, they tend to score tries in, you know, two or three at a time. And they really get on top of you that way. Um, look, I think we just... We can't, we've got to be ambitious in the way we play, but we can't be stupid. I think we said that as well last, last week. We've got to play smart. I think a lot of areas we did play smart in this game, but it was those sort of 50-50 balls, um, moments like that that can really turn the game. We can't afford to give them even one sniff because they'll turn that into two or three tries. Is there any specific parts that you're looking for the Wallabies to clean up in this game on Saturday? I think line-out has to be better. Um, you know, really happy that Darcy Swain is still there. I don't think he was to blame for the line-out not operating well. He's actually been, this season particularly, since he's come into the, the fray for the Wallabies, he's been really strong in the line-out for us. Um, I think we need some probably some more ascendancy in the scrum. It was, pretty, it was a pretty even battle. Um, but, yeah, line-out's got to be tidier. Um, I think our tackling was pretty good in, in the last game. We've got to keep that up, be accurate, be active at the breakdown, um, but not overcommit. Um, but, yeah, there's, there, was this, there were these rumblings that there wasn't enough physicality from the Wallabies, and maybe that signals why Swinton's come into the team. I thought we were pretty good in fronting up overall, but maybe we've really actually got to show that we're on top of the All Blacks for us to actually have that real chance of, of getting ahead on the scoreboard. It can't be enough maybe just to match them. We've actually got to dominate them and push them back in the tackles. So this game ends up 33-25, two late tries from Banks, one late try right on the buzzer from Jordan Ualisi, who I feel like that, it's moments like that right at the end when he can break off a mall and go through sort of two or three defenders, wrestle his way and get over the line that, is what keeps coaches be coming back to him and being like, oh, but just look at these physical attributes of what this guy can do when he's healthy, when he's in the right mould and when he's in the right mindset of this. That's I was like, oh, I, I sort of get it now, watching that sort of thing, watching him rumble through why he keeps ending up on these team lists. Yeah, just those moments seem to be so few and far between, like a number of yeah. years between them. And I know a lot of the time that's due to his injuries. Every time he seems to be switched on, looking fit and healthy, really active around the park. Suddenly he's going down with an ankle injury or a knee injury or, or something that really keeps him out for an extended period of time. So hopefully that's not around the corner for him. It's good to see him back. And I think he's a mature, like he's quite a mature player now. Even though his game time over the years hasn't been maximised, he's learnt a lot from coming into the, you know, he came onto the international scene pretty early through checkup. So if we can get him consistent, like playing consistently, with BPA leaving, there's a real opportunity for him to step up, you know, into next year. Um, Hook has been such an issue in terms of consistency for us. So if yeah, he can be the one to so stay injury-free and, and actually get some... He probably needs some starting minutes, to be honest, and that's probably not until next year, um, barring injuries. But, yeah, you can see the pot potential there. I just think he's got to show it across the park, scrummaging, line-outs, not just carrying the ball. 
Well, let's look, let's look at next week because we do have the lineups now. And I'll run through the Australian lineup um, quickly. So Slipper, BPA, and Alatoa, unchanged front row. Darcy Swain maintains his spot, but Matt Phillip comes in to start with Lucan going to the bench. Um, in the back row, Valentini moves from six to eight. Swinton comes in at six with Harry Wilson dropping out. Um, Hoops, obviously, there at seven. Tate and Noah at nine and ten. Um, a new centre pairing with Toomua, sorry, and Hunter at 12-13, um, going back to sort of last year's first pairing for their first Bledisloe. Marika obviously comes back in after being um, left out of that 23 last week due to indiscretions, and Kellaway and Banks maintain their spots. On the bench, Ulysses, Scotty CO gets in front of Angus Bell for his first uh, chance at a Wallabies start this season. Taniella's there. Lucan, as I said. Harry Wilson. Um, Nick White back after injury with Icky Tao on the bench there. And Reese Hodge again. Um, the perennial 23rd man. Toby, mm. this team better, worse than last week. I think you already highlighted. You think maybe... Yeah, I think it's a slight step back in the forwards, which is, you know, part of the Wallabies that I was more bullish on. Um I really like what Harry Wilson brings in terms of his rugby smarts, his work rate, his timing with those hits. I think we're yet to see him really hit his straps in terms of his carries at, on the international stage. Um, you know, Valentini, it's good he's been retained. Swinton, look, if they're going for out-and-out physicality, then maybe he pips Wilson. But I don't think he comes close in terms of savvy, savvy play and, and carrying the ball. So... Maybe we're going in with more of a defensive mindset. But I think Philip and Swinton coming in make this lineup slightly weaker, in my opinion. Um, Korobiti coming back, I think we needed that. Patea just really didn't grasp his opportunity, maybe didn't get you know, too many opportunities in terms of just in that game. But um, Marik is clear first choice on one of the wings. And Kellaway was... You know, on the other side of the coin, he really stepped up, looked um, looked really switched on, was making some great tackles. Yeah, Obviously really shut that excellent seven try. Yeah. He's just, like, again, he's an experienced player now. He's in his mid-20s. He's been around the traps. He's now come back from overseas with a different understanding of the game, I think, and just reads the game really well. Um, probably comes from his time at fullback as well in terms of that covering defence. But he's, um, he's really impressed me as he's come into it. And I'm so glad he made that tackle, you know, for the Rebels back in the, Super Rugby, yeah, the covering tackle on Will Jordan. Mm. Because that actually just led to this point in time. And now he's, he seems to be taking the opportunity he's been given. So really happy he's been retained. Um, has good pace, great defence. Tom Banks, again, look, I think he had a bit of a mixed game, but he showed that he can score tries when he's on um, and has that elite pace. I think we need that. So this back three is pretty good. Probably the, the main controversy that, you know, we're pretty active upon is Matt Tamua back into this centre, um, you know, inside centre, outside centre, combination with Paisami, look, I thought Iki Tao had a pretty decent game. And I think he's shown some good signs. Not really sure that he deserved to be put back on the bench here. Yeah, it's it's hard. I just don't really know what Rennie is hoping to, more to 
will bring to this team. I mean, obviously, Noah had an off game on from the kicking tee, sort of kicking two from seven, um, probably just through not having the the most amount of experience kicking at Eden Park anyway, um, plus maybe the gravity of the game for some extent. Um, but I don't think that it was because he was overpressured on the field or anything. I didn't feel like he was getting monstered every time he got the ball and needed sort of an extra pair of hands or someone to help control the game. And then I didn't think that our centers were that defensively sort of lacking. So in, an interesting selection to me. I just, I don't quite understand the direction that Rennie wants to go with having this. Mm, because it, it does mean that your ball carrying ability in the centers is diminished, I think. I just prefer Hunter closer into the action at 12, defending at 12. I think we saw some really good hits from him. Icky Tao, obviously he's gonna, he needs time developing in that 13 position, but I don't think it's doing Hunter any favors moving him back and, back and forth, forth yeah. 12, 13. Maybe there's some sort of vision that Samu Karebi is gonna be the guy coming into 12 for the Perth game. And so they're preparing for that, I don't know. But Matsumu, I don't think is an answer, you know, in this decisive Bledisloe game. Um, yeah, sure, he's going he's gonna to keep the ship pretty stable, but he's not a game breaker. I think we need those game breakers in there that can take the ball to the line. Yeah, we just said defend. we're lacking those clean break types that we need. Like, He's a defensive ball, like, controlling player. Um, stable head that I think you use to close, you know, close down a game at the end if you're ahead. Don't see re- any real benefit to starting with him. I think this is going to result in us being more, um, yeah, just a bit more conservative in the way we play. I, don't, I, th- I think that's the wrong way to go about things. Looking at the New Zealand side, they have, again, the same front row, Brody Retallick, Whitelock in the locks again, um, same forward pack completely. They have Aaron Smith, Moanga um, in the halves, Sevu Reese, Will Jordan comes in on one wing uh, for Rico, who shifts into 13, and Lynette Brown drops out of the 23 with McKenzie still at 15. Same bench uh, with um, Takiaho took over Dan Cole's spot late. Um, last week after a late injury that ruled Coles out and with the three Barretts and TJ Perinara comes in for Weber um, as the halfback reserve. What about this team? Better, worse than last week? I I actually think, like, I, I'm not convinced Rico's a 13. Um, fine, at super rugby level. He can probably do that job at international level. I'm not sure he has the defensive now there to defend in that 13 channel on a consistent basis. But in saying that, it gets Will Jordan into the team, which I'm a, bit, him a big fan of his. Um, I was probably surprised he wasn't there in the first game almost. ALB is, is such a good player and probably underrated, really, if you look at it, um, a real veteran. So I think it probably weakens the back line from a defensive point of view, maybe from attacking point of view, they're slightly stronger. Um, 
But look, there's stability in that forward pack, as we've talked about. Not hugely impressed by the props here. Um, I think our back row can match their back row. And I think that was pretty evident in the first game. It's the locks where I think the difference is perhaps at hooker as well. Cody Taylor's a great player. And the rest of the back line, like they just, they play so well together. They have a great understanding. And this bench is just electric. If you look at the players between now, TJ Perinara's back as well. You have the Barretts. Um, and I think Luke Jacobson's an excellent addition too. So there's, it's, it's interesting. I think attacking wise, maybe slightly better, um, but maybe there's a hole there in the midfield that we can attack now with this more inexperienced combination they have at 12 or 13. Yeah. Though I'd, I have to keep saying that how much of a fan I am of Harvillian at 12. I think no yeah. one's going to dislodge him from there. Did you see in his try, like he got the ball steps inside, steps outside, moves the ball from one hand to the other to put a hand out and just reaches out and just has the, the like, finesse to just place it perfectly just onto the line. Like, knew exactly where he was, where he could get to. Um, just a smart player in a class. Um, yeah. All of his own, I think. He's, he's not going to get um, dislodged. Overall, what what is your tip for our second game at Eden Park here? Are we... Oh, is there any chance you'd be tipping the, a Wallabies victory here or are you tipping another um, defeat or even maybe even a worse defeat the way you're sort of um, talking about this Wallabies team at the moment? Part of me thinks we got off a bit lightly in terms of an eight-point scoreline last week. I'm thinking, I predicted, I think, the All Blacks win by 14 in the first game. Maybe a similar story in this one. I could push it out to maybe 17 points or something. I think that they're going to win convincingly um, unless we can just defend out of our skins and, and really frustrate them and then perhaps get the odd try in there. If we can keep it low scoring, stifle their tries, maybe we have a chance. But they look like this team looks like it has too many points in them for us to, to keep at bay. Yeah, I do. I do understand what you're saying, and you got to think that they will improve on that performance, and hopefully, we can still put that pressure on to make them make some mistakes and capitalize. But yeah, I'm putting that in the very unlikely um, category here, and I think we. What I what I would really just like us to see is just like that ten minutes before and after halftime, just switching on to another level and just going up a gear because so often we seem to drop down a gear or take a little bit to get going in that second half. And you can see those are the times where we where we concede points early in the second half or with the All Black special, like right at the end of um, just before half time. So if we can just focus on those as like an area of an area that we're going to make sure that we stepping up and we come out hard again after half time, that was just a step forward in a positive direction. My fear is that we improve on areas that we're lacking, say like the line out, obviously our, our kicking for goal, but then other areas kind of fall down, um, which seems to be the story of the Wallabies. We can make those adjustments, but then it means that other areas of our game seem to suffer, whereas the All Blacks seem to rise. You know, they, they push all areas of their game up to another level if they've had a bad performance. Um, and we saw it last year as well where we got that draw, obviously, down in Dunedin, mm. came back up to Eden Park, and, you know, it was a real punishment to us. 
followed by another week of punishment in Sydney. Um, I'll be I'll be impressed if we can. I think if we even if we lose this game, if we keep it within seven to ten points and keep it respectable, I still think that's a good sign for us. But this could easily be a blowout for the All Blacks, and that's going to do a lot of damage to our confidence. Obviously, this you know the Bledisloe itself is then gone, but I think most people expect that to happen. It's just what fashion will that happen in? I'd love to see a surprise victory after 35 years of not winning there. I don't think it's this time around. Maybe next year, maybe 2023. I don't think we're quite ready. And I think probably Dave Rennie understands that. Um, But yeah, it's the fashion in which we lose if we do lose so that we can back up in Perth with a good performance. That's it. And we we so often have these great performances in Perth. So we'd love to see... Um, another strong performance and it will be hard coming from a severe sort of defeat if that is what happens over the weekend. Speaking about the things that happened last weekend, we did have the final match of the British and Irish Lions and the Springboks took it 19 to 16. Mornay Stain, the man that time forgot, kicks the winning penalty in back-to-back Lions tours for the Springboks coming on late in this one. Um, it was only one try each, uh, a bit of a Cheslin Colby special from the Springboks, long range for him to get through a couple of defenders and they just couldn't lay a hand on him, reminiscent of the World Cup final where he did the same thing to England um, with his fast feet. But the Irish, British and Irish Lions started like, they started strong early, they got an early try. Finn Russell came on early, he had 69 minutes or so. Um, and I think that's probably, like we probably highlighted last week, that's sort of the story everyone's now saying, well, we probably may have had a better chance if we just had Finn Russell for all three of these games rather than um, only being available for part of the last one. Yeah, I think that's right. And the way, we, uh, the, way the Lions started to play a bit more direct, ball in hand, keeping that possession, they look dangerous. They look threatening. I just don't think they had the class to beat this well-formed Springboks outfit that they, these guys have been playing together as a unit, obviously not lately, but in terms of time across a number of years, they've been forming those combinations. And just to have Mornay Stang come in there at the end there, like that was just like a Rassi masterstroke, wasn't it? To have it go down in that fashion. You know, he's managed to orchestrate a famous World Cup victory against England. And now you know, against the Lions, which is arguably an equivalent type of series in terms of, um, you know, how famous it is. He's done both. I mean, there's not much more to achieve apart from maybe, you know, the rugby championship this year. Um, But Rassi, after being under the pump, after that first game, he's really turned things around. And people are now going to be focused again on how great a coach he is rather than the fact he complained on YouTube for an hour about the referee. He, but he isn't the coach, right? Is he the coach? He's the, well, he's the coach, just not by name. So, so you think that behind closed doors, he is absolutely pulling all the strings here. He's, he's, he's the coach of this team. and Well, it depends how you define it. I mean, in Europe, they have different 
name names for the roles you know within the coaching setup whether it be director of rugby or head coach or or whatever i think he's done that for a reason right he wanted to be down on the sideline i think that was all part of the plan and we saw this you know if you've seen that documentary um the name escapes me at the moment but it was really good chasing the sun i think it was a four-part documentary series about their World Cup victory and the things they had to go through to get to that point. Um, you know, to go as far as buttering up the referees and knowing how to talk to certain referees a certain way, that level of detail was all in his plans ahead of time. I wouldn't be surprised if he's planning, you know, he had all last year to think about this. He wanted to be right in the thick of it on the sideline. He was actually putting the lines off, I think, in a lot of respects, being so present there. Mm. He's the guy he coaches with who I don't know if you've got his name. I it escapes um, me as well, but he's obviously very talented as well. And maybe yeah. there is some sort of succession plan going on here for the next few years, but they're very much they've been working in tandem for a very long time. Um, ultimate trust in one another. And Rassi, look, I just think he he just knew the strings to pull in this series and it worked perfectly. Um, you know, I think we have to come on, comment on the fact that this was not a really entertaining series apart from maybe in the manner that the third game went down and the way that it finished. In terms well, Rassi of the was probably play, the most entertainment entertaining part of this whole series, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the rugby play was bland. It was you know, set piece and error riddled and kick dominated and not the type of rugby you really want to be watching on a, you know, week to week basis. But the amount of pressure in a series like this, you can understand that teams go into their shell a little bit. I think the Springboks will play a pretty different style of football coming into the rugby championship. And maybe you'll see that against Argentina this weekend. But, yeah, I think bravo to the box. Look, I've never been their biggest fan, but I was cheering pretty hard for them on the weekend and I can respect, you know, everything they've done over the last couple of years. And that's right. This is not only the second game of Bledisloe on the weekend, it is the start of the rugby championship, which brings me to my question. So the Springboks obviously playing Argentina this weekend in South Africa before... Um, I think they're getting two games in South Africa before that both teams make the make the move to Australia um, for the rest of the games. Potentially South Africa also going to New Zealand, but at this stage that is unclear. Where do you think the Springboks end up in this rugby championship? Do you think they um, cap off successive Rugby World Cup, British Irish Lions tour, and then a successful rugby championship to take? Um, three crowns from three attempts here. Yeah, I think the All Blacks probably still deserve to be the favourites for this tournament, but Springboks have to be closely, you know, followed after them. Um, You've got to wonder how hard they partied after this victory, Um, but they've got to turn around and play Argentina on Saturday or Sunday. And, yeah, it's, it's a huge ask for them to remain focused after a victory of that magnitude in that series. But yeah, if they can, if they can refocus into this, 
they're probably fortunate they've got Argentina is probably not going to be as strong as they once were a few years ago in, in this rugby championship. So good start for them. If they can get that win, I, I have no doubt that they'll start rolling again. I think the, the battle between South Africa and New Zealand is going to be huge. And those games are always pretty big. We probably don't understand them as much. Being a Wallabies fan, like we used to have probably that real serious rivalry with the All Blacks, and that's been diminished a bit over the years, given we just haven't won the Brothers Low for 18, 19 years. But the way South Africa has been with 2007 winning the World Cup, 2019, and then All Blacks have obviously won 2011, 2011-2015. There's been that kind of, I think, real direct um, competition for the number one rank in the world. So, yeah, I think it's huge. I think they can do it. I think they have the squad to do it. I'd still be picking the All Blacks. Just the way they play, the amount of points in that team, I think can get on top of the Springboks. But the Springboks is, you know, they're set up to put you off your game, punish you in defence and control the game. So, yeah, it's a very interesting contrast of styles there, but I would still back the All Blacks to be winning this rugby championship. I've just pulled up the Springboks uh, lineup for this game. They've released that versus the Pumas. Pumas haven't put theirs up, but it is a little bit of a B team, even more than the South Africa A team that played against the Lions. I mean, you've got um, Ox Notche, you've got Dwemba and Francois Lowe in the front row. You've got probably still a reasonably strong forward pack with Etzebeth, Lou Diaga, um, Khaleesi, Quaggesmith and um, Jasper Weiss in the back row there. But your back line is sort of Corbus Reinach, Elton Yangtzees, Francois Stain and Jesse Creel in the centres, um, Sibu Nkosi and Apaleli Farsi with Damien Billemser um, at fullback as well. So a lot of names li- missing here. Um, it, I feel like it could be that they're, they're underestimating what the Pumas may bring to this game. Possibly. I think given that lineup. There's definitely an opportunity for, for Argentina to win this game. Um, they've obviously, they're looking towards building to a, you know, a bigger, more fierce opposition in the All Blacks. So you're resting guys like Pola, like Deliende, Lucanio Am, you know, really faff, even, even though he didn't play last week. Um, yeah, I think they'll look to dominate in the forwards with the key guys they still have there. El Yanchi's look, I, I'm surprised he keeps getting selected. I'm not a big fan. Would have liked to see even Mornay staying in there, maybe at 10 for a game. But I think the depth is there for the, the box to actually still get a victory in this one. Um, not having even cited the Pumas team, I would still be picking the spring box. But again, they would have had some great celebrations over the last few days. And so you're looking at these guys that haven't really played much footy in the last couple of weeks or so um, to step in and, you know, pretty much cold take on the boomers. So it's um, particularly for the back line, I think it'll be a work in progress. Um, but, yeah, they obviously need to win this game to keep their rugby championship dreams alive. So it is important. Just the fact being in South Africa probably does give a extra sort of points buffer to the Springboks as well. Um, like we say, it's a, a different backline, but 
Fran Stein and Jesse Criola have got a fair bit of um, experience in them and a fair bit of a attacking prowess as well. Let's go to the news that probably I think excited you, Toby, the most this week. And that was news that Samu Karevi is coming back to the Wallabies. He's been put in as joining the Wallabies squad when um, they head to Perth after this game in Auckland this weekend. Um, he will be the second player selected under the modified Gitto law, uh, where two players can be selected that come in under that sort of 60 test caps um, that we need, along with Duncan Power being the first. So the last news I heard was this was because Hunter Paisami won't be joining the team for Perth because he will be um, attending the birth of a child. Okay. Have you heard any more of that? Or do you think that we maybe we will see how that Samu-Hunter combination in Perth? I mean, I hadn't heard that at all. And so this makes more sense to me in terms of, oh, okay, Samu's in the right place at the right time. It's logistics more than anything. I'd love to see that combination. Um, you know, Samu's been gone since the World Cup, right? So... Yeah, it's a while between drinks for him and I don't know how his preparation is for the 15-man game. Obviously, maybe he's a bit fitter than he was because he joined the Sevens program for the Olympics. But again, he, he hasn't had a whole lot of game time for them either. So I think it'll be testing for him to come in against the All Blacks, you know, after not playing Test footy for two years. But he's a class player. If anyone can do it, he can do it. He's got, he's got the frame for playing that inside centre role pretty pretty well. And whether, you know, if Hunter isn't there, you could see him at 13. If they're so keen on keeping Tamua in there at 12, then it could be a Tamua-Samukarevi partnership in the midfield. Which, I mean, I don't hate as much maybe if, if Tamua's feeding him the ball, just given his size and ability there to carry the ball. A bit, a bit of a different story with Hunter Paisami. He's not the same sort of frame that, that Samu is. Um, he can do, you know, he can hit the ball up well, but he's not a battering ram as such. So, look, great to see him back. I want to know what his plans are going forward into the 2023 World Cup. Obviously, Rennie's keen to have him around in some capacity. Whether this is just a very short-term thing and then he's back in Japan for the next couple of years, I'm not sure. But as a very, very loyal Reds man that he is, can they fit him in under the salary cap with that sort of team? Or does he need to look elsewhere if he's coming back to Australia? Yeah, definitely an interesting question. You hope the fact that he'll be in with this team and this squad will hopefully um, get him leaning in the right direction. And even if it is to another Australian franchise... Maybe um, Twiggy, Twiggy Forrest can well, get if he's going to be in Perth, if he's going to be in Perth... Some, here's, some, here's a million dollars on the side, Samu. Just come play for us for two years. There you go. That's it. Can replace yep. Tavita Kurandrani. You've got a part-time job at the mines up north. Um, <laughs> you have to attend uh, a dinner once a month, and that's a million-dollar annual salary right there. <laughs> exactly. Perfect, Twiggy. I like it. I like it. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. But before that, we obviously have to get through this week end with the first round of the Rugby Championship. 
be an interesting game. Once again, I will be there. I will be repping my Wallabies jersey. I will be copying it from local fans and just general residents of uh, Mount Eden area as I walk past and they yell out to me from their houses. But you've got to take it all in stride as an Australian in Auckland, it seems. Yeah, well, you made it through game one, right? And obviously that wasn't a victory and you're yet to experience that in your lifetime at Eden Park. So, look, it's better to, to buy two tickets to the show and see what happens with the second one. You could be witnessing history. So, you know, I'm jealous that I'm not going to be able to be there, stuck in lockdown, still in Sydney. Um, but I'll be watching keenly and hopefully the Wallabies can just really put in a good showing. Given this, you know, this team is very young. As we've talked about, the back line is particularly young. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of good signs there. It's just putting on a good show, I think, as well for the rugby public so people continue to, to back them and get behind them. Absolutely. And tune in. Um, make sure you're keeping up with all our social media on it on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. We'll make sure to have all those teams up and for you to get your picks in for who you think is going to take this game to and the game over in South Africa between the Pumas and Springboks when we have those lines. Thank you all for listening in and subscribing once again. We will be back soon. Until then, keep on running. Run.